It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio with me, David Leventhal. Happy birthday, Mom and Dad, and more importantly for the rest of us, Happy New Year! Hooray 2019! Yeah, New Year 2019 comes in with such promise for... Oh, God, for what? Uh, Well, I guess it's not 2018. Yay! 2018 is behind us. Maybe we're one year closer to the nightmare ending. We're trying here. Uh, we're, We're trying to find... Some stuff that we can look forward to in 2019, reasons that we could be hopeful and welcome in the new year, having a hard time with this. I guess I guess the number one wish and dream for the new year is that we as a society can obtain evidence of such overwhelming criminal behavior that the brain-dead and dangerous criminal president of the United States could actually be replaced by the equally stupid but not quite insane vice president. Um, yeah, well, because dual aneurysms are just too much to wish for. Yes, 2019 coming in with all the promise of, well, we survived 2018. Maybe we'll survive 2019 as well. Sorry, I'm trying here. Uh, On the other hand, you know, we did survive 2018, so there's a lot to be said for the year that's been passed. That actually is pretty much it. We survived it. A new year that was rung in, let's start with a positive note. A new year that was rung rung in with a tiny little spacecraft coming into contact with an iceberg named Ultima Thule, 4.1 billion miles away at the edge of the solar system. A new year that was also ushered in by the blithering idiot that is the President of the United States speaking about a government shutdown basically by verbalizing every one of his farts. By lying every time he opens his mouth and looking as stupid as he always does. We are seen, we are confronted with the tremendous dichotomy, the chasm in this country between the ability to send a spacecraft 4.1 billion miles away, hit its target, take pictures of it, and send them back. And Donald Trump is president of the United States and 60 million Americans who thought that making this moron the leader of the free world was a good idea. We're reminded, I guess, of the chasm that communication creates as we start talking about this communication which allows human beings to achieve the almost unimaginable everybody who worked on this project i assume was not just some completely unique genius and i suppose we are shown again the the isaac newton's famous comment that if he is seen further it is by standing on the shoulder of giants We are shown the importance of communication, the fact that we can learn from what's come before us, assuming we're not a Republican. And we could build 
on what everyone has achieved in human history to do wonders. Or on the other hand, we could be right-wing media. And we could ensure that tens of millions of Americans are among the most uninformed and stupidest beings that were ever put on the planet. Remarkable to ring in the new year by looking at the power of communication, good and bad. So what was the blithering idiot talking about today? Right now, actually, as we went to record this show. We are in day 12 of a government shutdown, a partial government shutdown to be sure, in part because many of the 800,000 workers who've seen their jobs either disappear or not be paid for in, a, in our budget are actually working for free with the promise, ultimately, that they will be paid back. As this drags on, of course, more and more of these people do not have the money to lay out up front in waiting for them to get paid back. Do you remember just a few years ago when we had the last Republican president who was a divider and not a uniter, but at least felt he had to pay lip service to the idea that the president of the United States should be a uniter, not a divider? That's Boy George's words. We've had Democratic presidents who've actually, one after another, lived that credo. We've at least had Republican presidents before who've felt that they needed to pay lip service to it. And now we've come to this. President Donald Trump, who doesn't even have to pay lip service to being united, not not a divider. A president of the United States who makes it perfectly clear that he only represents the brain dead and only cares what they think or don't think. As the new year was rung in, we say goodbye to the chief of staff, John Kelly. No great prize himself, But we are again reminded of what happens when the C team is replaced by the J team. I think we're probably down to at this point. Maybe Z team. Kelly points out on his way out, taking a few snipes at the president and saying good riddance to the worst job he's ever had. That they haven't been talking about a wall since early in the Trump administration. They've known there's no wall. You know, the thing that we've shut down the government for? But of course, John Kelly's comments as he leaves, this right-winger, this Trump apparatchik, who now is seen to be the voice of reason compared to what's left behind, remember, speaks to the reality-based community. So what he says doesn't really mean anything to Trump supporters. Yes, it was again during the Boy George administration that one of his top aides, probably Karl Rove, referred derisively to the fact that reporters had to live in the reality-based community. Little did we realize that the George Bush administration was not the nadir of the attack on reality. In fact, we were going to do much worse. We are going to elect Donald Trump. So meanwhile, Democrats in Congress have been working feverishly as they take over the House of Representatives and the new Congress to try to come up with a bill to avoid a government shutdown. Or, more likely, let's be realistic here, a bill to once again demonstrate the chasm between the left and the right in this country. Or more likely, not between the left and the right, between Republicans and everybody with any decency and any sanity and any brains left in this country. 
The House is putting together H.R. 1, which the House is looking forward to introducing in the opening weeks. H.R. 1, according to early reports, will attempt to do several things. Here they are. Establish a nationwide automatic voting registration. Promote online voter registration. To draw a contrast to the opposite party, which is dedicated to stopping people from voting. H.R. 1 will attempt to address and end partisan gerrymandering. Again, to draw a contrast with a political party that can only succeed at all in America because of gerrymandering and the lack of democracy. H.R. 1 will attempt to expand conflict of interest laws. An obvious thumb in the eye of the Trump administration. Pretty much every one of whom, in his administration, in his cabinet, are dealing with ridiculous conflicts of interest, starting at the top with the President of the United States. H.R. 1 will plan to increase oversight of lobbyists. You know, the people who lobby and try to make our federal government work generally for rich people and rich corporations, or in the case of the Trump administration, the people who are now running our government. They will require disclosure of presidential tax returns. I wonder what that's aimed at. Strengthen disclosure of campaign donations. Set up small donor matching funds for Congress and revive one already in existence for presidential campaigns. Do you notice the contrast there? Do you notice the divide that's being set up in this country? Also on the Democrats' agenda, diminishing the influence of the wealthy and the connected, broadly, expanding voting rights, again, broadly, as we've talked about, lowering prescription drug costs, and passing a bipartisan infrastructure bill to finally make this country start working again and perhaps bring our infrastructure, our subways, our roads, our bridges up to the, I don't know, late 20th century. In other words, we are at the point in this country right now, make no mistake, there is no chance that the Democratic agenda will be enacted while the Republicans control the Senate and while Donald Trump is the president. What we are doing right now is basically drawing border walls between the two sides for elections in 2020. Democrats will be fighting for democracy and for human beings having some role in this country and being represented by government in this country. Republicans, not. So, as long as we're drawing these dividing lines, let's look a little closer at what the parties stand for and where those dividing lines fall. Just in the last few days, we have seen Elizabeth Warren announce that she will be running for president. I believe the first Democrat to actually officially throw her hat into the ring, the first of what is, of course, expected to be very many. Elizabeth Warren's primary reason for being taking on banksters and corrupt capitalists and monopolists. You know, the Trump administration and the people who support them. Bernie Sanders has been floating trial balloons. 
He's been in the news recently as well. Bernie Sanders' platform, should he throw his hat in the ring as expected? The embrace of Medicare for all. That like the entire rest of the industrialized world, every American should have access to health care. Elsewhere on his platform, free public college, a $15 an hour minimum wage, so that people who work full-time might actually be able to support themselves and their family. Well, begin to support themselves and their family. $15 an hour, by the way, at 40 weeks a year, uh, 50 weeks a year, 40 hours per week. That's $30,000. Ooh, baby, don't spend all that in one place. Bernie Sanders also believes in a Green New Deal to make our planet sustainable, to open up economic opportunities that will come with the 21st century, not continue to throw money at the big campaign donors representing the energy and big energies and, and big industries of the 20th century. Also on Sanders' agenda, a universal job guarantee, where every adult in America who wants a job should be guaranteed the ability to work and the dignity and wherewithal that that provides. Again, the contrast there was pretty striking with Republicans. As currently represented by Fox News, the leading propaganda arm of the Republican Party, Fox News disapproved of Sanders' agenda. It featured an image of the new Congress, the progressives, progressive women coming in to lead the Democrats in Congress with the headline, Radical New Democratic Ideas, Free College for All, Free Health Care for All, Abolish ICE, which I understand didn't exist until a few years ago and has basically become a criminal organization since then, and a Green New Deal. That was what Fox News and the Republican Party are afraid of. Radical new democratic ideas. Free college for all. Free health care. Abolishing ICE. And sustaining the planet. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, one of the four incoming progressive leaders, replied brilliantly, Fox News discovered our vast conspiracy to take care of children and save the planet. And thus again the dividing lines have been drawn as we will apparently be spending the next two years further molding those dividing lines. I've been talking a lot on this show about my background and where the Democratic Party should go. I've talked about having conversations with bright and activist students who are all for Bernie Sanders and the liberal ring of the, of the Democratic Party. I pointed out how probably a detriment, a drawback from my age and experience is the fact that I've always been nervous about that because the liberal wing of the Democratic Party has always meant abject failure. Whenever the Democrats have nominated someone who should be president of the United States because he, he or she, well, I guess he in this case, believes in things that are supported by a majority of Americans and are desperately needed in this country. That person gets slaughtered at the polls because that person runs up against big business, big money, right-wing media, 
and can't possibly win. What Bill Clinton famously brought to the Democratic Party was centrism, read right-wingism, which made the Democratic Party acceptable to the wealthy and wealthy businesses. And I've always been cautious and said I'm nervous about electing progressive leaders. Well, I'm now falling on the side of as long as we're going to make the battle lines be drawn, let's draw them. Let's make them distinct. Let the Democrats come out and truly embrace their end of progressive. As I pointed out, the remarkable thing here is that study after study shows that all of these tremendously liberal policies that I have mentioned and Fox News has discouraged are all supported by a vast majority of the American public. Unfortunately, the media assault will be huge if a progressive Democrat gets the nomination. But maybe it's time. Maybe those of us who are kind of older dinosaurs should forget the lessons that we have from the past and accept the fact that maybe the young people are right. And maybe they'll be motivated to fight against the big money, against the media, and promote the change that's really necessary in this country. But as we look at the contrast between the two parties, of course, we need to look at where we've been over the last 30 or 40 years. We have to look at what the Republican Party has stood for. And in many respects, frankly, the Democratic Party has stood for just less so during that time. I have alluded on this show for several weeks to the fact that one bit of conservative doctrine one GOP shibboleth after another has gone down in flames. Yes, only to reemerge like a zombie or a phoenix and come back. But it's worth talking about at this point how ridiculously discredited by reality and reason the Republican Party basic beliefs are at this point in time. Starting with the concept of market efficiency. Can we please just bury this one at some point? We're supposed to believe that the markets left to their own devices will be efficient. Debye famously said, we don't need air pollution rules. We should just ask businesses voluntarily not to pollute. Or the market will take care of it on its own. Well, for those of us who do live in the reality-based community, the market has been emphatic over the last couple of decades as to how ridiculously absurd such a statement is. You know, the financial crisis, for instance, where the smartest and best market minds in America destroyed the economy for short-term gain. We are still living through the aftermath of the financial crisis. In fact, we are still repealing the rules that were put into place to try to stop it from happening again, thus heading precipitously towards a new financial crisis. We have seen just in the last few months how efficiently the market works when left to its own devices. Let's just look at a couple of examples. The Lion Air crash in, in, in Indonesia. Hundreds of people dead on an airplane, a Boeing airplane that was equipped with some new technology that they wanted to sell, they wanted to get out there, and it turns out we're selling to people who didn't know how to use it. 
technology that didn't work very well, and in fact, we now know, caused a crash. Caused a plane to plummet down into the water, killing all of its passengers. Just imagine for a moment what it must have been like to have been on that plane. We have talked repeatedly on this show about lead and fire retardants. How for many, many years, businesses, very successful and profitable businesses, were increasing their profits by putting lead into their products, paint, gasoline, many others. And as a result, poisoning children, stunting their intellectual development, and much more. Finally, government came in to ban lead over the objections of these businesses who are happy to murder children to put a little more money in their pockets. Those businesses then learned that they could replace lead with fire retardants, as we talked about in the show a few weeks ago. Fire retardants that are doing the same thing to children as lead is. But more importantly, doing the same thing for the pockets of the billionaires who are selling it. Just in the last couple of weeks, we've been reading about one Malaysia development Barhad, the one MDB criminal scandal, where at least three members of Goldman Sachs have been criminally indicted in a $4.2 billion embezzlement. That's just the tip of the iceberg for corporate misconduct. Just basically off the top of my head in a few moments. I recently leased a car. And I leased a Nissan. Nissan Leaf. Went for an electric car. For reasons I'll discuss in a moment. And while there... I'm thinking about the fact that, well, Nissan hasn't exactly covered itself in glory recently with its CEO, Carlos Gosen, uh, under criminal indictment in Japan for violating financial laws. And then I thought, well, my other choice of an electric car would be the Chevy Bolt. Only GM, of course, has not covered itself in glory over the last few years either with one criminal scandal after another, and then the CEO of GM, Mary Barra, proceeding to try to lie her way out of it several times. I could have gone with a Tesla if I could have afforded one, and if they were available, but, well, you know, Tesla. I decided to go, I was looking only at electric cars, in part because my commute is too long, but of course because of climate change. You know, climate change, the thing that doesn't really exist if you're a Republican, like the rest of science? What exactly has our market system done to prevent the destruction of the planet? In fact, it has become clear as more and more evidence comes out about the role of oil companies and other fossil fuel companies in promoting climate change denial, in preventing the information that we need to address the problem, that the market is willing to drive the entire planet off of a cliff. I'm reminded about the concept of market externalities, which I've discussed at length in this show. The fact that in the market we have, we have learned, wealthy, successful capitalists have learned how to make poor people around the world pay for their shit.
And so things like pollution are not paid for by the free market. They're dumped on an unsuspecting world, on unsuspecting people who are suffering the ravages of climate change, and on an unsuspecting or now suspecting planet that will see its habitability as we know it under threat. You know, another Republican chivalrous for a long time has been that government shouldn't interfere in the market. Of course, related to what we just talked about, the idea that since markets work efficiently, government shouldn't interfere. It's long been conservative doctrine, boilerplate, bumper sticker. Government shouldn't pick winners and losers. Except for the fact that we've now seen that every time there is a Republican administration, that is exactly what government does. It picks winners and losers. It just picks different winners and losers. It picks as winners the biggest losers, basically. We've seen Trump with emoluments running this country to support the Trump organization. And anybody, including corrupt foreign dictators, who are willing to throw some money into Donald Trump's pockets. Or any other GOP donors. Like the Koch brothers. Equal scum. Equal garbage. Equally willing to destroy the planet. As long as they can have a few more billion. As long as they can elect governments that will continue to throw billions of dollars into their pockets. We've seen that Republicans are not really opposed to government picking winners or losers. It's just which winners or losers. Instead of throwing money at new startup renewable energy companies that can help save the planet and help this country's economy tremendously, we're going to throw it at the old, obsolete fossil fuel industries that already have the money and therefore can buy politicians. You know, Cheney and Bush, who managed to profit mightily off of the destruction of this country. Another shibboleth that really needs to be retired at this point is the idea that we need business management. That Republicans are better managers than Democrats. Better managers? Donald Trump is the President of the United States. Mike Pence is the Vice President. Betsy DeVos is the Secretary of Education. Rick Perry. Is Rick Perry still our Energy Secretary? I don't know. He's not in the news very much. Ryan Zinke just left Interior, replaced by, I forget, I don't have it in front of me right now, some other ass liquor. Take a look at the entirety of the Trump administration. Take a look at the entirety of the Republican congressional delegation, incoming and outgoing, and talk to me about management. In fact, we keep being reminded that the only reason that our markets don't completely crash every time there's a Republican president, as several commentators have noted, is because the markets assume that some Democrat will be elected shortly to come in and fix everything the Republicans screw up. The concept of states' rights, which again, I have talked about at length on this show and prior shows, the idea that governing and regulating businesses should be left to the states, the federal government shouldn't be doing it, well, 
That's always been bullshit because as I've noted a lot, states often cannot regulate multinational corporation. Size matters. Multinational corporations pit state against state, municipality against municipality, in intergovernmental bidding wars because they really have no choice if they want businesses to locate there. Witness the recent fiasco with Amazon where the entirety of this country, municipalities across America and many in Canada, prostrated themselves at the foot of the god of Amazon. The hundreds of billions of dollars god of Amazon to give away the public treasury to get Amazon to come. But of course, it's obviously been bullshit that the idea that states can regulate. States, for instance, could regulate air pollution or water pollution without the federal government doing it. I've talked at length in this show about how states' rights has always just been a stand-in from Republican circles for corporate rights. That by taking power away from the federal government and putting it in the hands of the states, what you're really doing is taking power away from government, the ability to regulate the conduct of businesses, things like pollution. And you're giving it to corporations to regulate or not regulate themselves as they choose. But now that Republicans are back in charge of the federal government, we are once again seeing that even Republicans don't believe in any of the bullshit that they constantly utter. Because now the opposite of states' rights seems to be the word of the day, something called preemption. The opposite of states' rights, which says that the states should regulate, not the federal government, preemption is the opposite. It says when the federal government can regulate, the states should not be allowed to regulate. Such as, for instance, in California trying to regulate auto emissions and auto fuel economy standards. No, all of a sudden, now that they run the federal government, Republicans have seamlessly switched from states' rights to preemption. A 180-degree turn, which would be rather remarkable if one didn't consider the fact that, of course, the Republicans do not believe in anything other than their own power, which makes their about-face completely consistent with their entire ideology. You know how Republicans always scream, every politician in America screams about how much they love small businesses? Well, this concept of states' rights and allowing big businesses to engage in intergovernmental bidding wars continues to kill our small businesses. Not only don't they believe in states' rights when it's not convenient for them, They don't believe in small businesses. Small businesses don't donate to political campaigns. It's not small business owners that have their name up above the New York State Theater in Lincoln Center where the New York City Ballet performs. It's some piece of shit named David Koch who has his name up there. The idea of fiscal responsibility has been a Republican talking point since as long as I can remember. Once again, we are given overwhelming evidence when the Republicans are in charge about how little they actually believe in fiscal responsibility. Remember when deficits mattered? As they always do to Republicans, deficits mattered whenever there is a Democratic president. Now that there is a Republican president and a Republican Congress, Has anyone heard a Republican in two years utter the term deficit? Talk about our fiscal deficit, fiscal responsibility? 
No, actually, we are once again reminded that our history of government is Republicans scream fiscal responsibility, then go into office and balloon our federal deficit. Democrats eventually come in and fix the problem. Can we please put to bed the concept that Republicans are the fiscally responsible political party? Can we stop with the idea that Paul Ryan was one of the brave fiscal fighters in America? A man who also was entirely full of shit throughout his political career, but seemed to forget everything he supposedly stood for in the last two years while Republicans were in charge. And finally, and most importantly, can we put to bed the concept of the superiority of rich people? Oh, I know, you probably don't normally look at it that way. But isn't that basically what pretty much everything the Republican Party stands for is really all about? Supply-side economics. Another one who's had a stake put in its heart several times, only to have us find out that it's a zombie, not a vampire. You can't kill a zombie with a stake in the heart, for those of you not up on your occult. Supply-side economics is premised on the idea that if we just give rich people more money, they're so much better than the rest of us with using that money, that they will do wonderful things for us, and they will make the world a better place for all of us. Supply-side economics should have been put to, to rest well before it even started. The people who came out with Ronald Reagan and promoted the idea of supply-side economics have all come out and said, we were never serious about it. It was always bullshit. If you wanted to convince people to give more money to rich people, you had to come out with something better than, do you understand how expensive it is to put fuel in a private 747 or a 110-foot yacht? Do you understand how expensive it is to run something like that? Stop thinking about your own selfish needs and your children eating. And start worrying about what it's like to be one of the Koch brothers. No, even in this incredibly stupid society, that probably wouldn't work. So you had to come up with something better. Which is that rich people do such wonders, such magic with the money we give them. That if we just give them more, it will trickle down to the rest of us and we will all be richer. Again, they knew it was bullshit when they were promoting it. They've come out since and said it was bullshit. Irving Kristol, David Stockman, have all come out and said, the, the original architects of supply-side economics, said it was bullshit from the very beginning. But the morons are still going to believe it. Can't we finally start putting this to rest? Superiority of rich people? The idea that they work harder than the rest of us? The idea that they're somehow more productive than the rest of us? The idea that they make better choices than the rest of us? These are embarrassing. And these have been completely undermined by reality for those of us who are willing to see it. You want to learn about the superiority of rich people? Donald Trump. Look at Donald Trump. Who is he superior to? The man is trash. He and his entire administration of billionaires, DeVos, Ross, every one of them, 
have demonstrated themselves to be incompetence, jackasses, scumbags. Many people get rich because they work hard and because they're really smart. But so do and are billions of other people who don't get rich. Many people get rich because they've chosen careers that allow them to accumulate a lot of money. Many people become rich because they're more motivated by money than other people. And as illustrated amply by the Trump administration, many people get rich because they're fortunate in life, because they're born into places where they're already rich, or getting rich is a lot easier. Talking about you, Donald, and a whole bunch of others. And most tragically, and I'm still talking about the president and his friends and administration here, as well as the Koch brothers, many people get rich because they lack a certain amount of ethics that would impede the ability to do whatever it takes to get rich and to step on the people they need to step on in order to become fabulously wealthy. But in any event, the bottom line is, just because you're rich doesn't mean you're better. It doesn't mean you're worse, but it doesn't mean you're better either. And it's really time to stop telling people that it does. Anyway, that's it for today's show. We will be continuing to address this idea of what the Republican Party stands for and what the Democratic Party is supposed to stand for in the hopes that at least among our listeners and people, hopefully, that you talk to and share what you learn on this show with and maybe share the show with, that we will move to a place of a better understanding of who out there wants to promote the interests of this country and the people in it and who's out there to profit off of its destruction. Thanks for joining us. See you next week, we hope. Oh, and Happy New Year. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 